Welcome to Trivially Crucial, where every space cowboy, crazy little sister, and lovable beaten-down transport ship is important and critical to our lives. I'm Michael. And I'm Mandy. Uh, And today we are talking about uh, Joss Whedon's work, Firefly, and the accompanying movie, Serenity. So, uh, Mandy, yes, uh, I guess we can start off with uh, you telling me about how, like, how you got into Firefly, and I'll do the same. Uh, so I actually didn't know Firefly was a thing until the movie Serenity was coming out. And uh, I remember I was a freshman at college, and I remember seeing a trailer and thinking, what is this? Why don't I know about this? And then I remember Sci-Fi Channel was playing an episode every Friday night, I think, leading up to um, the movie. And uh, the first episode I actually ever saw was Ariel, which is like (laughs) episode nine. (laughs) Uh, But uh, that episode was uh, probably the best episode to get me in. It had me hooked. And uh, then we went and saw the movie. And then I went and bought the whole series at Fry's uh, and uh, watched it all. So it was kind of a random, uh, you know, this is before I had a DVR or anything like that. There was no... uh, way to watch it all on the internet, no Netflix. And so uh, it was kind of just this random, I saw an episode when I happened to be, I think it came on before Stargate SG-1, which it was the last season. Uh, So I watched it religiously every Friday and I was just like, oh, what is this? Why haven't I watched this before? Why don't I know about this? Um, Which I think speaks to, and I'm sure we'll talk about this more, the awful way Fox handled Firefly that if my family had known Firefly was a show, we would have watched it. Yeah. Um, but when it was on, we didn't know it was a show. So, uh, such was Firefly. Yeah, for me, uh, it was actually, so I watched it after you did, because the movie Serenity came out in uh, towards the end of summer, 2005, and I... Didn't even recognize, like, I didn't even notice that coming out. Um, I only found out about it because so many people I knew and through internet circles, like, I had heard positive things about Firefly and Serenity over time. And and then after Serenity came out, I heard enough of it leading up to Christmas that year that I asked for the DVDs just on recommendations of both the show and the movie. Um, and my one of my cousins got it for me. And I sat down and watched it in correct order. And we'll talk about the ordering. Um, I watched it in the correct order from beginning to end in the space of about a day with one of my cousins, followed immediately by the movie. Noticed that we had accidentally, I had accidentally received the full screen version of the movie, stopped it about 13 seconds in, went to the store, (laughs) bought it in widescreen, then came back and watched it properly. (laughs) Um, So yeah, my, my first experience was... Really, really good, but uh, and thankfully none of it had been spoiled. I knew nothing about it. I had no idea what I was getting into. Other than that, it had just come at really high recommendations from people. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I was spoiled by myself, I guess, since I watched Ariel and then the movie before I watched anything else. Uh, but uh, I think it's one of those shows that even with spoilers, it uh, stands up. Oh, it it definitely does. I mean, so many people I know who are huge fans of it, who recommended it to me, saw it in incorrect order, which I guess we should go ahead and talk about um, if you want to explain the situation. So Fox, 
is a network on TV uh, that was airing Firefly. Uh, and um, for some reason, they did not air the pilot episode first. Uh, I want to say the first episode they aired was Bushwhacked, but I could be wrong. Um, uh, the first episode was, yes, that's correct. Um, yes, Bushwhacked, because they were offloading cows. Um, yes, so uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> uh, so basically, uh, in in the pilot, there's this whole reveal about Simon, who's a main character, you know, being who he is. And then so when you don't see that first and it's not explained, uh, you know, and then you just go into some other random episode, you, you may not know that situation or why are these people fugitives? What's going on? And basically... Fox not only aired them out of order, but they would delay it based uh, because of like baseball games, which happens to every show, I guess. But, you know, if you were trying to watch it live, it was apparently really inconsistent on whether it was going to come on. And this is like, what, 2002? So DVRs aren't really a thing. You know, the Internet streaming is not a thing. So I think people thought they were missing episodes and not knowing about it. But uh, basically, you couldn't. You could not watch this show consistently. Fox would not let you. Uh, and so that really just kind of uh, killed it. Uh, and so it was never renewed for a second season. Uh, but the fans loved it so much that it basically got a movie to at least tie up some of the loose ends. Um, and also, I was wrong. Train Job was first, Bushwhacked was second, and then they skip uh. around after that. So... You still skip the introduction of the characters and so on. But and one of the things we'll hone in on is that this show, I think both of us think really highly of it. Um, and mm-hmm. part of it, is how tightly it's written and how I mean, there's very little waste in the show. And that just the idea of people watching this out of order because they were aired out of order. Just, oh, my gosh, that frustrates me. Because I just see how much each episode builds on the previous one. Little cues that you get from characters growing. And while you would not be spoiled necessarily and it holds up because of how well it's written, it holds up if you then go in realizing you're watching it out of order. If you think that you're watching the episodes in the way that they should be, that I feel like that would really detract from it. You know, like if if you just scramble the episodes and watch them in the order that they aired originally and the people and the writers meant for them to be that way, it it would really speak ill of the writers because they wouldn't have been doing their job especially well um, and the way they, they were unfolding the story. But in contrast, the proper order, which is the order it comes on, uh, on the DVDs and Blu-rays and Netflix and so on, is really like, you know, just watch that and don't worry about what episode uh, order it was when they aired. Yeah, uh, Netflix has it in the right order. The DVDs have it in the right order. Uh, it's very hard, I think, to wrong watch it in the wrong order now unless you actively seek to watch it in the order it was aired. Yeah, so. I, I suppose maybe if people are pirating them or something, they it's possible they could get them in the in the weird delayed order, except that this was before BitTorrent was huge and stuff, so I bet you even if you're pirating it, people are doing it based on the Blu-rays now, um, which are in the right order, so... Oh, fun fact that uh, Serenity was the first Blu-ray I ever owned. Uh, wow. Yeah, I, I guess it's probably one of the first movies I repurchased because I, I had it on DVD. Oh, I yeah. already had two I had copies. it on DVD. <laughs> and then I, I had it on DVD, them. and then at some point I ended up with two Blu-rays of it, actually, um, which was kind of random. But when I got my Blu-ray player, uh, 
my parents got me a Blu-ray player for Christmas and got me Serenity. <laughs> nice. Uh, for At Peak, I had two copies on DVD, the full screen and the widescreen, and then I had the Blu-ray. I gave the full screen away to somebody uh, who at the time only had a full screen TV and didn't and would argue with me when I insisted that you should just watch the things with the black bars anyways. But, <laughs> but I was like, fine, I, I have no use for this full screen version. I'm never going to watch it, so you can just take it. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess before we go uh, any further, I mean, we're going to just spoil the heck out of this series. Uh, it's really not much of a commitment to watch. It's 14 episodes, only 11 of which actually showed on TV. Um, followed by a movie. So you should go watch all of them um, before you listen to us talk. And if you really like the show a lot, rewatch it and then listen to us talk. (laughs) (laughs) If you've got the time. Uh, Because it's definitely worth a rewatch. It holds up remarkably well, I think. Um, Yeah. Definitely. Cool. Um, Well, to start, I think that a general structure, because it would take forever for us to go through each episode. I mean, I'm pretty sure we could do a podcast, like a full podcast with an episode dedicated to each episode of the show. Uh, I I mean, I know I could. So we're not going to do that. We're not going to step through the plot of each one, but we will kind of go through the episodes through proper order, just as ramping off points. And then we'll talk about what, wherever we'd like. So, uh, yeah, it's, we can start off with Serenity, the first episode. Um, what do you think, Mandy? Uh, I think Serenity is a really good episode, or two-parter, um, and because uh, it is two episodes long. Um, right. But, uh, like I said, I didn't watch it first. Um, and to a certain extent, I'm kind of glad I didn't, because it starts with um, the war uh backstory uh for the first like it's a i feel like it's a long scene uh where they're fighting uh the war and basically if this was a western which you know it is but (laughs) if this was a western that took place on earth this would be the long civil war scene where mal and zoe are confederates and they lose right uh but it's uh in space so uh they're brown coats not not confederates and we don't entirely know what this war is about um but uh, that that's not what brought me to this show. Uh, what brought me to the show was Simon and River. So uh, I really like them. Um, and like I said, the first episode I ever watched was Ariel, which is really focused on them, yeah. um, which probably affects why, to me, the show is about them and the other characters are kind of... I love them. I love them all. Don't get me wrong. But uh, in this, I'm really just in it and, you know, waiting for Simon to show up, which it takes a while. Because uh, there's a lot of uh, introduction. And I love all the introduction stuff. Wash and his dinosaurs. Uh, <laughs> who doesn't love that? Uh, but, yeah. But So, Michael, you watched this episode first. Yes. So, what were your thoughts? Uh, so, the first time I watched it, and I, I remember this every time I watch this show. I mean, I've watched it eight times now. And um, because every time I find out somebody hasn't watched it, I insist that they sit down with me and watch the show. Uh, and every time I watch it, I remember that I was... I was worried that I had gotten myself into something that I wouldn't enjoy Um, because I'm not a big, I mean, I like now war films and stuff like that, but I was really hoping that this wasn't going to be the tone of the show. Uh, Yeah. And and that's why I think this wouldn't necessarily, I would have been the same way the first time I watched it if this had been the first episode I watched. But that said, that intro scene, now that I've watched through the entire show, uh, whenever I watch it in a short burst, 
it really drives home how important that scene is because in the end, if you look at it, I mean, it, it introduces Mal and Zoe and their relationship and so many interactions throughout the show all the way up to the very end of the of the movie really hinge on their experience in the war together. And the fact is it doesn't drag this out. Like if they had had more war scenes in the in the first episode, really, like if they had dragged that out, it would have lost me. But they pretty quickly drag you into uh, levity. I mean, if nothing else, even just the the intro song, like you go from this intense war scene and a battle that they lose, and then you the, you get into this kind of Western theme that is maybe a little somber, but not, you know, it, it, it kind of, it sets, it makes it feel much more Western than it does spacey. It makes it not feel necessarily like a war show. And then you get to the six years later where they're actually doing all of this, um, where they're doing their smuggling and so on. But really just having that scene be the first thing I ever saw meant that every single time somebody would accuse Mal of not being over the war and, you know, every time he would come up against the Alliance, it just made that more significant to me. Um, and I think I, I guess I, I guess it's valuable. But for me, you know, in even rewatching this, I I wasn't sure how necessary that intro opening actually was. Uh, granted, I am super familiar with the tropes of the Western genre, if you will. Um, and so we get a lot of war in a later episode, which I think is well played and there for a reason in the episode. Um, I'm trying to think of the title. Uh, mm, Which one is it? The message maybe. Well, uh, that's the one where they have their, uh, the former soldier who's with them. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and so I, I guess for me, I could have done without that scene entirely and still been okay. Kind of like, uh, you know, I, I don't need a war scene at the beginning of John Carter uh, to know that John Carter is a former Confederate soldier and how he must feel about that. But on the other hand, this is a different war. So a little context doesn't hurt. Right. Um, part of it, too, uh, I guess part of it is to, to show that from the beginning, you can tell, like, you know, Mal and Zoe are competent. They, you know, they stand up to pressure well and so on. And that's another element that it that it presents you with earlier, because, uh, you know, as, as we learn over the course of the series is there are times where Mal is a pragmatist and times where he's not. Mm-hmm. But he's always more or less competent, whether he indicates it or not, whether he looks it or not. Um, and I, I feel like the few flashbacks that we have to the war really kind of drill that home like this is a guy who when he's put in a corner he knows what he's doing um and he will get as many people out as he can um but anyway so the one of the things that really this episode does that is really done continually is it introduces so many different elements and again like i mentioned the whole show is so tight i mean we're introduced to badger here we're introduced to uh oh my gosh badger (laughs) i'm re-watching this after having seen all of supernatural he looks so young he and really I was does. just like, oh, he's out. a baby. <laughs> um, it, it introduces us to, like, in this sh- in this episode, we're first introduced to Simon and River. And if you haven't seen the show before, you, they, you know, they look, or Simon looks all stuck up before you have the reveal with River. Um, you have the people I, who, go ahead. 
I, I really love how Simon is set up to be like the sinister bad guy. Like the music when you first see Simon, like all of the cues are that when they discover there's a mole on the ship, it must be Simon. Right. Uh, just because of like, and that just shows the bias that people uh, like Mal in his situation have against people who seem to be of wealth. Right. Right. Uh, Because the guy who ends up really being the mole just looks like your average Joe, who's probably going to find a job on another planet, you know, whereas Simon looks like he's like, why isn't he flying first class on, you know, some cruiser? And uh, so I I really enjoy that. And then um, it's very obvious where the uh, uh, end of episode one, beginning of episode two. And this is even when you watch the, uh, it as a two parter, yeah. uh, because it's the reveal of river. And I just think that's so well done, not just in, they think he's smuggling something crazy. Right. Yeah, but then it, when they open it and the look on their faces and they all immediately assume this is some sort of sex slave scenario. Yep. Right. Uh, and then when it's not in the heartbreak of like that scene where Simon is sitting there with river and she's like crying and he's like trying to calm her down and she's like naked and everyone else is just watching it. Like what the hell? Like it gets me every time. And that's one thing to keep in mind. And, uh, is that, um, Joss Whedon wrote serenity and the train job. And I think it really like, it's, it was one of those things where I, he wrote the two of them and then he writes the end of the series. Uh, may, it might just be Objects in Space. I don't remember, but he writes something at the end. But really that whole, like, he's defining the characters in this. He's getting you to know them. And the directing is so consistently good in this show uh, because everybody's performances are so spot on. There's so many times, you know, on rewatches where you go and you look and yeah, the 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 dialogue is great. The looks on people's faces are great, but watch the people in the, like in the background, the people who are not in focus and you can tell and listen to the people who are not in focus, the people who are not the primary dialogue, things you won't hear the first time that you listen or that you watch or, or listen to the episode. And you will see and hear things where just everyone is so spot on all the time. And at times when they don't need to be, it wouldn't have really, but, but the whole thing, it it really convinces you that these characters are, are people. Uh, And Simon's reactions and his protectionism of river throughout the show, it feels so real um, it just, it really feels like the kind of thing that a person would have for their family and no one else. And, mm-hmm. um, and other people feel that like you believe because he sells us on it, you totally believe he's selling the other characters on it too. And um, I, and I feel like these other characters though, none of them have families that we know of. Right. Uh, well, we know, uh, Kaylee has parents. Uh, we know Jane <laughs> has one too, because he, she sent him a hat. That's right. But, uh, <laughs> You know, Mal doesn't seem to have a family. Uh, uh, you know, Zoe and Wash are each other's family, but they never mention other family. Uh, so this is a very found family scenario on this ship, right? Excluding right. Jane, who's like the weird stepbrother who can't decide if he actually wants to be your sibling or not. Um, and uh, then Simon and River for a while. But because they have this weird found family situation, uh, Mal even though he, as far as we know, doesn't have a sister. Like, he gets that. Because to him, you know, Kaylee is his sister, right? And what would he do for Kaylee in that same situation? So so I think they, they get that. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, we don't really need to spend a lot of time specifically on, on Serenity. So we can pop forward to kind of the train job and what it tells us about the characters. Um, you know, one of my so favorite things... So I will things say, about- 
Go ahead. The train job is like one of my least favorite episodes. <laughs> uh, I would say the same, but I still love it. Um, <laughs> so, I, and again, it's just how much I really revere the entire episode. But um, the train job, really, the the almost the entirety of the significance of the train job is the end of the episode. It, it's, I mean, part of it is to show you how uh, it, it does show us a little bit about Jane, how how he's not really loyal the way everybody else is because he's willing mm-hmm. to leave them, you know, when they get caught. But the biggest part is kind of what Mal does when he realizes what his, what the job actually was, because in it, you know, Niska hires him to go and steal this thing. He doesn't ask too many, too many questions. They steal the medicine and then he, or steal, steal the, the goods. And then they find out that it's medicine that's desperately needed by this group who has been neglected by the Alliance. So those people are just not going to get their medicine now. Um, and Mal, you know, it, it it really helps us kind of get an insight into his character because he's fine thieving and, you know, doing crime, but he doesn't want to actually hurt people who don't have it coming. Right. Um, and he and especially he doesn't want to hurt people who are being hurt by the Alliance. Um, you know, if if people are neglected by the Alliance, whether he says it or not, you know, he feels like it's on him to do what he can for them. And so he brings this back. He brings the medicine back. And um, and the uh, sheriff who had, or sheriff, marshal, whatever, the the local uh, um, law, the local lawman, he basically says that at one time when he's just talking to Mal and I guess suspects that he's not who he is, he says that he would, you know, he would just kill whoever it was. But once he finds out the situation, too, he's like, oh, OK, yeah, sometimes somebody does take a job doesn't know, uh, you know, doesn't really look too closely at it. But then, and I, I love this exchange because he says, you know, but once he does find the situation or find out about the situation, he has a choice. And then Mal responds, I, I don't believe he does or whatever the Western slang version of that would be. No, he says, I don't believe he does. Cause I wrote down that exact quote. Oh, okay, cool. Well, there you go. I remembered it. <laughs> so, and I love that line. Like I is, it really just kind of, sets you to know Mal's character early in the series. Um, There's also something that this and Serenity both do that I really appreciate that out of all of Joss Whedon's works, I think this one is the best for females and female relationships and like females being awesome in different ways. Uh, Buffy has a lot of girls in it, but it's very different. There's a lot of emphasis in Buffy on being like physically strong because they're fighting vampires. Uh, And the single strongest of them is a female vampire slayer. So, right. Uh, But in, uh, in, uh, in this show, we have, we have four women who are so drastically different from each other and yet are all friends. And any of these women alone in a show uh, because of tokenism would be seen like horribly, right? We'd all be like, while we'd like Zoe, we'd be like, oh, why do female characters to be strong have to be physically strong? Right. Or, you know, we would like Kaylee, but then we'd be like, well, why can't she actually be brave enough to shoot a gun? You know, or we'd like Anara, but then we'd be like, why is the one woman, you know, super sexy or whatever? But because you have all of these women together, it shows that all women are different. 
Just right? like all men are different. Just like all people <laughs> are different. It's like, wow. Mind-boggling. There are, different, there are different components to the strength of women, just like there are to men. Amazing. <laughs> and they're different and they're not competitive about it. Yeah. You know, no one's ever like, oh, Kaylee, you should dress more sexy or whatever. You know, there's an, there's a joke in this one that Inara says, like, uh, she's brushing her hair and she's like, maybe after this we'll go crazy and wash your face. But it's such yeah. a, like joke between like really good friends that it nobody like it's not mean and yeah. uh they're all so there for their they all of the women are there for river even though she's crazy and like they don't understand her right yeah the and, only time that they indicate that any of them indicates being threatened by another woman on the ship it's when they literally think that their safety's at risk it's not right. like it you know it's not like the the bickering you get in other shows that it feels like writers just have to insert because women are involved, you know? And, and it's just amazing how they're all protective of each other. And, you know, Zoe's the one who's mostly uh, out of the loop with the other ladies because she operates in kind of a different circle on the ship, right? And she's more in a command role, but she still does interface with them. And it would be so easy for the show to only have had Zoe. Uh, and, and they didn't go that route. And I love Kaylee um, because she's... She's both uh, a mechanic and uh, sweetly feminine and uh, innocent, but also like not naive. Uh, right. And so it's this weird, real mix of like, I feel like I could know this person. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's it's really a thing that that. The whole ship, again, like, you know, I said it and you, you just said it, it explains that these people are characters or these characters are people and they all feel like actual people who are multifaceted and deal with other people. I mean, the Bechdel test is, you know, it, the the fame test where uh, you need a – do you have in a thing that's on screen two women talk to each other about something other than a man? And this show has it between women about as often as they have men talking to each other about not women, you know, like like it, it it's – pretty much the same. Um, I, I mean, I wouldn't want somebody to like take my word on that and then do a bunch of statistical analysis. Cause maybe it's not, you know, maybe my, my view of that is skewed by how just terrible that normally is in, in media. And, and this is just so much better, but it's just, it feels so, so much more real. Like I never find myself rolling my eyes at them when Kaylee's talking about a guy. It's like, well, yeah, that makes sense in this context. Um, and so on. The other thing that's unusual that this show does that a lot of shows don't do, I don't care if we're talking, you know, sci-fi or non-sci-fi or whatever, uh, is Zoe and Wash are married. They're happy. And even though they have, what, like a couple little tiffs in this, like their relationship is solid. Yeah. Yeah, and absolutely. When was the last time you saw a marriage like that on TV? Uh, barely ever. And so uh, it's very unusual and very refreshing. I mean, similar on a similar note, there's a character who we haven't talked about yet, uh, Shepard Book, who is, you know, uh, and a similar thing. Like, it's a religious guy who's, you know, religious. And, but he's not, he's not like weirdly naive. In fact, he's kind of the opposite of that. He's not, uh, he's not overbearing. Um, he kind of, takes it in stride and makes jokes about his, about the impression that people have of shepherds and so on. Like it's like, Oh, this is a person who knows what it's like to have actual relationships with non-religious people. Like mm -hmm. imagine that, you know, it, it, again, it feels like they took real, you know, real people and planted them on a ship. 
Um, and I love that. So uh, Bushwhacked would be the next episode uh, if we're talking about episodes. And while we're talking about ship real people relationships, uh, my favorite thing about this episode, because there's not a lot I like about this episode, <laughs> is, and it's not because it's a bad episode. It's, it's just not my favorite, uh, is the beginning when they're all playing that weird like basketball-ish game yeah. on the, the deck. And I also think it's really interesting uh, who's playing the game and who's not. And going back to Shepard Book, Shepard Book is playing. Uh, yes. So, I mean, we didn't state this directly, but Book, Simon, and River are all new to the crew. Uh, and if if anything, you know, they're, they're passengers. <laughs> Book definitely um, is a passenger, but Book integrates into the crew so much easier than Simon does. Uh, he's, you know, playing this game with the other crew members like he's one of them. And the only people not playing are Inara, Simon, and River. And, you know, River makes sense because who, who knows what River would do at this point if she tried to play a game with her. Uh, and she seems interested to be watching and she's actively watching. Um, and Anara makes sense that she doesn't play games like that. Cause they're really like trying to Anara's character is really this like classy lady who doesn't, you know, she, she doesn't play games. Right. <laughs> uh, but you know, Simon well, not those could types be of playing. Games. Right. Right. <laughs> She's the kind of lady that you could imagine playing chess or, right. you know, so, but not necessarily like or, she's not going to put on pants and play soccer. Like right. what? Uh, and it's just like, why isn't Simon playing that game? And it's Simon isolates himself from the rest of the crew. Because uh, he got there at the same time as Book. He could be just as integrated. But because of his personality, because of where he comes from, he has a really hard time uh, coming into the crew. Yeah, um, absolutely. And and again, part of it too, and this is addressed in Serenity, in fact. He, he has a line where... Uh, towards the end when, and again, because we've warned everybody about spoilers, uh, it's <laughs> when they, when he thinks he's about to die and he talks about one of his greatest regrets is not getting with Kaylee. Um, and he says that like, I've basically been so concerned with river the whole time that I've not allowed myself to look at after right. anything for myself. And that is that, you know, that rings true. The whole series long is he is, so focused on River and her well-being that even when he starts to let loose, the instant River is around or that something with River could be up, he's pulled away. And that is, well, doesn't lend itself to getting to getting pulled into a crew. I, I also think uh, Simon has a bit of mistrust in his character, even more so than uh, Mal knows people aren't trustworthy, but he can trust the people he can trust, if that right. makes sense. Um, Simon thought he could trust people. And then um, because of what happened with his family, there's a lot of um, backstory. And um, I think it's safe um, where it goes back to Simon's and River's life, you know, before. Yes. Uh, and Simon discovers he can't count on his parents, that the only people him and River can count on are him and River. Uh, and because of that, I think he, he more so than anyone else has a harder time trusting other people. Um, whereas, you know, Zoe and Mal learn to trust each other. Who knows when did they meet before the war? We don't actually know. Right. Uh, but they definitely learned to trust each other in the trenches. Right. Right. Uh, and that was the basis of their relationship. And then they became to trust all these other people that they adopted into their family with the 
possible slight exception of Jane, who they only trust so far. Uh, but um, Simon doesn't have any of that experience and his, his, what, what real world experience he has is not good. Yeah. Um, and this, oh, bushwhacked going back to this episode. This is the episode where we learn that reavers are basically vampires. Reavers can make other reavers. <laughs> well, sort of like we get the idea. That I they're mean, they're vampire, not vampires. Zombies, you know? Yeah. In, in zombies is better. But, uh, but yeah, we get the impression where like, it's laid down here and it plays out throughout the, you know, to the end of the series is like, we, is this, uh, I forget. So this one, we're actually exposed to the, to a person. Right. And so but he was not a reaver. He was just a person right. on the ship who experienced or watched what the reavers did to the rest of his crew, which was murderize them. Right. And slowly. so essentially he's gone insane. Um, yes. And that, and it, it's really creepy just to see the effect that that can have, like, that that has that's on why i don't like this episode <laughs> yeah and, and i get and it doesn't if it there are several things which uh, and it's funny we'll we'll get to this when we talk about serenity actually um so I'll, I'll call back to this but there are things that don't mesh when you go between the show and the mm-hmm. and the movie and i generally always hold serenity guilty of that rather than anything in the show because um i think that a lot of the things that they had to do to wrap up meant that they had to cut corners and make things not work anymore. Um, so there are a lot of things that don't really work, and I kind of lay them all at the feet of Serenity rather than the sh- any episodes of the show. But that's, you know, we'll, we'll get into that more. Um, there's, uh, but one of the things, too, is uh, this is not the first time we've heard of Reavers. There's uh, No, they're in the first episode. Yeah, in the first episode, they mention it. We don't see them. But we hear about them, and we just know that these people are really scared for, of them. Some people don't believe they exist. The people inside, like the people like Simon, don't believe they exist. They think they're a myth or a legend or, or whatever. Um, but no, they're real, and this is our first – we get closer to an exposure of them, and we're like, oh, they really are pretty darn horrifying. Um, mm-hmm. And nobody so then, knows where they come from. Yeah, no one knows. Uh, so – yeah, going from that, we go into Shindig, which is probably my single favorite episode. <laughs> I do love this episode. And there's no way we can talk about this episode without talking about Mal and Inara's relationship. No, we can't. It is the episode that really kind of puts their relationship to the fore. Um, yeah, go ahead. Lead us in. Well, the thing about Mal and Inara is, Inara is, of course, a companion, which is basically a fancy government-approved kind of religious order prostitute, right? It's like this weird mix between, like, you basically they have a stamp of approval from the government, so nobody's going to be like, you can't, you know, work here. And they are kind of got this, like, culture um, that's why it's kind of religious ordery to me because they have like beliefs that are very like companion beliefs, companion rituals. Um, and uh, she's basically considered the only um, uh, legitimate person on the ship. The only one who has legitimate means of uh, uh, doing anything who's, uh, you know, government stamped and approved and uh, can go places. The others can't. Um, and of course, Mal is uh, Mal. Uh, and Mal just like his relationship with Inara is not, I don't like, and she doesn't like how much he calls her, uh, things like whore to excuse my language, but he calls her that and, uh, other things or how he like makes jokes of her, you know, in the first episode, he calls her ambassador and tries to embarrass Shepard book about her. Uh, and, uh, he, he just, 
likes to make light of it a lot and it's because you know he's in love with her and he doesn't know how to deal with that yeah Um, he's in love with her and he like you know again this is hit towards the end of the relationship or you know the end of the thing is like he would do something about it if not for her occupation i feel like right you know yeah and uh even because i think even with her occupation he would do something about it you know based on the episode uh Oh, what's the episode where they go to the brothel in the middle of nowhere? Uh, Heart of Gold. Mm, Heart of Gold. And uh, but Anara is so much classier than he is. Um, so much more like to him, even though she is a prostitute and he likes to make fun of that. And uh, presumably there, you know, as we learn in Heart of Gold, there are still irreputable, if you will, prostitutes, even though Anara is not one of them. Um so that's why bad connotations of prostitutes can exist, even though their companions are considered not bad. Um, but uh, she is like a noble lady compared to him. And I think that also drives him crazy. And I also think that's why he constantly reminds her of what she is in his eyes is to kind of try to bring her down a little to his level to make her, you know, not so shiny and on a pedestal, uh, even if it's the wrong way of going about it, Mal, you should not call people bad names. Uh, but uh, in this episode, we come across a guy who doesn't necessarily call Anara bad names, but uh, definitely makes her feel like a uh, common prostitute. Um, Atherton, is that his name? Yes, Atherton. Uh, I hate him. <laughs> you're supposed we, to hate him. <laughs> Like he's one of those people who, if he had stuck around, I would have, I would have hated him existing in the show as a character. But because he was around for one episode, I love to hate him. You yeah. know. So, anyways, and, and it's just the way he treats Anara, like she's property, like she's lesser, like you know, he he's always constantly bringing up like going to bed with her and stuff like that, even though it's not in an appropriate context. And yeah, that's kind of the same thing Mal does, but there's just this menace to it or not a menace. Like it is menacing, but it's like abusive overtones when Atherton does it, as opposed to when Mal does it, it's more like your older brother. Not, not that Mal is like an older brother to Inara, but it's that kind of teasing like it's the someone affectionate who clearly kind. loves you, but is still stepping over, like is overstepping bounds that they shouldn't. Right. Right. Like, whereas Atherton doesn't love you and is overstepping bounds. <laughs> right. It, it's, it's a Atherton doesn't actually respect you. Mal does and is just acting really poorly. Like mm-hmm. he's behaving, he, he's behaving badly, but he does actually have a respect for her as a person, which he says, he even says, you right. know, the difference is he doesn't respect you as a person. Uh, and, and that, you know, at, it's not justification. It's not, but it is an explanation. Like it is accurate, you know, that there is, that is a notable difference between the two of them. Right. Right. Mal. Yeah, you're right. Respect is the word I was looking for. Um, you're absolutely right. Uh, this episode's also notable because it's the episode of Kaylee in the big pink fluffy dress. Oh my gosh. It's so, and one of the best lines, uh, with, of course, because Kaylee, as a competent woman who is useful, uh, uh, she gets 
you know, made fun of by the pretty girls at at the ball, and because her dress looks like it was bought in a store, right? Which she it was. Like she should look after her girl, right? Uh, but uh, and then the uh, gentleman, one of the elder gentlemen, comes over to her and uh, and what's what's the the line is it must have taken I don't know a dozen men. Uh, I think it's a dozen uh, slaves. A dozen slaves, a dozen days to get you into that dress. But from what your father tells me. It only takes the wink of a something schoolboy to get you out of it, yeah. um, and it was just I I die every time I see that, and uh, and then she he of course turns to when all the girls just storm off. Uh, this gentleman turns to Kaylee and says, "I you know I can't bear u- useless people, or I can't tolerate or something to that extent." And of course, like Kaylee is nothing if not incredibly useful, <laughs> you know. Um, and she accrues a little, you know, group of guys who want to hear her opinion on uh, engines. And it's it's just really adorable. It, it really is. And it's the kind of thing where, you know, some Kaylee, you totally imagine that wherever she is, she'll just have this group of people gravitating around her and people will love her because she's well, she's clearly the most lovable character in the show. She is. And that's why it hurts so much when, first off, Mal is mean to her at the beginning of the episode. Right. Because yeah. he's upset and he snaps at her, which is why he takes her to the fancy party and buys her the dress. Um, and uh, then at the at this part, when uh, these mean girls are mean to her, it's just like Kaylee is literally like the nicest person on the planet. She would do anything for anyone. Uh, and uh, that's. Uh, yeah. It hurts when people hurt her. Yeah. Uh, Poor Kaylee. She gets shot in the first episode and in Serenity, she's like dying. Like girl can't catch a break. (laughs) One of the things too, uh, about this episode though, you, you highlighted a point when Mal is mean to her, uh, there's a scene, an important scene with Jane there that, um, or it's that same scene, but Mal says something and he notices immediately the instant that he says it, he's like, Oh, I shouldn't have said that because he knows he hurt Kaylee and he doesn't want to. You know, he's really protective of her and, and so on. And, you know, he would bite the head off of anybody else who said something like that to her. Uh, Jane doesn't get it. Jane doesn't get it. Jane actually asks, he's like, what? She upset or something. And Mal just gives him this look. He's like, what? How do you not understand what she's mad about? Like, I get what she's mad about. And I'm the one who said well, it, you know? And, and, I, and I think that further underscores. And I, and I want to talk about this more later, how if anyone's story arc got kiboshed by the movie, it was Jane's. Uh, because Jane is the an outsider in this group almost as much as Simon is, uh, in that he doesn't see them as a family necessarily. Uh, he's a mercenary. He's being paid to get there, to, and he uh, betrays Simon and River in a later episode. And you know he totally has this clear story arc where you know if the show had gone on for seasons, by the end of it, he would be just as loyal as like everyone, right? Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, but, you know, that that story arc really isn't given a lot of time to happen uh, because the show right. ends. I mean, by the time the movie <laughs> before the movie, by the end of the actual TV episodes, he's sort of, you know, he's headed that direction. Jamestown is probably the beginning of that. Um, what we'll get to that in a bit, but it's not. But he's nowhere near the fastest part of the curve. You know, like he's he he's got a ways to go. And then it just kind of jumps him the whole way at the end. Um, yeah, the movie kind of just different. jumps him the whole way to be there. And that's kind of just like, hmm. Yeah, <laughs> there are a lot of things the movie does with that that, you know, it had to do because it was a movie yeah. instead of an entire season or an entire second half of season of a show. Um, but 
I guess we can get into just talking about crew building into safe, which you mentioned before. Um, I love this episode. This, this might be my favorite episode. It is a great episode. (laughs) Uh, It tells us a lot about Simon and river. Yeah. It's got all the Simon and river stuff. It starts with them selling the cattle. Oh my gosh. Uh, and I love, uh, rivers, uh, they weren't cows inside little speech. And then Mal's like, is it bad that what she said made perfect sense to me? <laughs> it's such a good line. It makes, um, and so just to highlight how messed up, uh, no, no, never mind. Ignore me. That's not one of the things that they did actually air shindig and safe in order. So that's okay. <laughs> I, uh, I, I yeah. Was, Cause that would just be messed up if it, yeah, if it it's were, like, where did the cows go? I, I don't know. Uh, but, yeah. But yeah, in this, we get all the backstory of Simon and River, which, you know, you see that them playing together as kids and, you know, how in the early scenes, like with their father, and then they send River off to this special school and Simon starts getting these letters and he's trying to convince his parents something is wrong and his parents just don't believe him. And then in the end, his parents basically say, our standing matters more than this. Um, Yeah. And one of the interesting things about this episode and one of the interesting things that never gets tied up, we'll never, is the world building in this series is so interesting, but we don't actually know a lot of anything. Um, so they mention uh, Simon's father mentioned Simon was in a blackout zone. And every time I watch it, I'm just like, what is a blackout zone? Is there like a special black market zone? Like, I, I, you know, and there's so much about the Alliance. We don't know. They're very clearly sinister. They're very clearly a dystopian type government. Uh, but because we only stay on the outer fringes for almost the entirety of the series, with the exception of the episode Ariel and the flashbacks in here, Uh, We never truly know like what's up with the Alliance. And I just know that if like this show had played out seasons, we would get so many like more visits into the inner city, not inner inner planets and more like what is up with the Alliance and what's going on with them. Instead, all we really know is they, you know, brainwash and torture girls into being warrior assassins and uh, mind readers. And uh, they are crushing descent that's really all we know about them well and so this is one of those i I definitely agree that we would get more obviously if we went if we uh if it dragged on or not dragged on if it went into more seasons but at the same time i kind of like the way that it's just sprinkled in and most of it's left up to us it's like okay i've seen enough things with overbearing governments and so on and you have areas where the black markets are and like i'm fine filling that in for myself um but but it it would be it'd be interesting to see a little bit more, and I do like that Ariel exists in the in the series. Um, so, uh, yeah, our I guess uh, what are any? I mean, this it's, there's so much that goes on in this, but I don't know if there are any specific setups in it. Um, I like, um, of course, there's the whole. Uh, oh, there's the scene with book. There's a scene where Book gets shot and they they don't have their doctor because their doctor got kidnapped by the random people on the planet uh, who needed a doctor. So they go to uh, the Alliance and the Alliance uh, read Book's ID card. And even though they weren't going to help him and they were literally going to let him bleed out right there uh, because they're like, we're not a hospital. Uh, As soon as they see his ID card, they're like, get this man and fix him up. Uh, So there is this hint, of course, that Shepard Book is some someone so much 
more connected to the Alliance than uh, we know. And uh, that's... Did you ever read his story? I did, and I found it unsatisfactory, so... Uh, I did, too. Um, And in fact, I kind of wish they hadn't been written. Um, In fact, I blocked it on my memory and couldn't tell you what it's about other than I think it's unsatisfactory. I mean, I can tell people. It's, It's really unsatisfying, essentially, like... The, this we, is the comic book we're talking about. This is the comic to book. Be clear. Yes, it's a comic book that was written. It's canon. Uh, it's basically his backstory since he never got a chance to to reveal his backstory in the TV show. Um, his name is not Book. Uh, he actually stole that identity from somebody. He was a uh, an agent, like an anti alliance agent, who was he was like really really great at at fighting at martial arts. Was really good at infiltration. He was set up to be a double agent. And set himself up for like long-term success in the alliance, and did so for years. Uh, and then, as part of his thing, I can't remember exactly what happened, but as part of his job, I, one of those jobs, it was either for the alliance or for the actual organization. But he killed a guy whose name was Book, and uh, and so on. But then, actually, sort of in the process, became a man of faith. Um, and that's kind of where he's at. But as such, so those Alliance people are wrong to treat him because he actually is not Alliance loyal. Um, but they, he, he is in their system as being so. Um, that's why he's so familiar with so many different things the Alliance does, with so many of their inner workings. Uh, in the movie Serenity, when he goes and he mentions, like, hey, like, you know, you're going to have a, I can't remember what the term is for, for the guy, but a, an operative. He's like, you, you've never dealt with an operative, but he knows what kind of things would call for an operative and that they're going to have one after them mm-hmm. uh, and so on. And that's why it's, to me, it compromises his character way too much. Um, like, I don't mind the idea of him being a, a double agent and stuff, but there's just so much killing in his past and the, and kind of his salvation of becoming a good guy. Like, it happens way too quickly and without enough explanation for me to really buy it um in the comic so it's unfortunate because that's one of those things that would have definitely been better or would likely have been better if it had played out on screen over the course of several episodes um because everything you do play out on screen is uh, in terms of characters backstories is done so well you know yeah i've just found the serenity comics overall to be lackluster yeah I, i i really do think that they were just a vessel with which to deliver plot that they wish they had gotten to to give us rather than a way to actually deliver characterization and story, which is what actually makes us like this, the show. Yeah. Not the plot. So indeed. Uh, so th- there's a couple other things I like about this episode, but, uh, you know, the scene where River's dancing like a normal person and Simon's watching her and she's at, I think it's like a wedding or some other celebration. Yeah. Uh, and then of course they get nabbed by crazy hill people. Um, not like killer hill, hill people, but like, you know, right. Uh, and it's middle is this nowhere. the first time we actually see that she has some kind of special abilities because she, yeah. Underst- yeah. Okay. She reads the mind of a little girl who can't talk and therefore the people in the town think she's a witch and then they're willing to, they're going to burn her at the stake. Uh, and then of course the serenity shows up just in time to save them, which I really appreciate, you know, Jane hanging from the ship and oh, it's, it's just a really great scene. Um, but you know, it's, it's so interesting with this town, though, because, uh, you know, the school teacher is the first one that accuses her of being a witch. And then basically the the town leader guy was going to let River off. Like, clearly she's not a witch. Go back to sleep, people of the town. But then River says something dark he did in his past, which is basically kill off the previous town leader. And now he's like, oh, now we have to kill her. 
Yeah. Um, and of course, the thing he says also doesn't make any sense because he said she speaks lies and reads minds. It's like, well, which which is it? Because yeah. either she's lying about what she just said or she's telling the truth and you should be in trouble anyways. But uh, uh, anyways, um, yeah, we're it, yeah. <laughs> it's just a really enjoyable episode. There, there's really not much plot that happens in it other than the backstory. I just I really enjoy Simon and River centric episodes. So I uh, yeah, then the uh, next Mrs. episode, Reynolds. not one of my favorites also, but <laughs> yeah, uh, we can we can kind of breeze by it. Uh, there's a lot of it. A lot of the people kind of making fun of Mal um, when, uh, what's her name? Uh, Saffron. Saffron uh, joins oh, I them. I, I really don't like her as a character. I don't like that she's in two episodes. I hate um, that she's in two episodes. It's like, it'd be one thing if we had like, you know, multiple seasons to the show, but as a 14 episode season, it really kills me that she's in two of them. I mean, basically the guests who are in two episodes are Saffron and Miska. And like, uh, I like. And, and Badger. Oh, sure. Badger. Yeah, Badger's- to me, Badger is almost a semi-regular. He's in so <laughs> many episodes. Um, but Miska, I don't like, but you're not supposed to like him. Right. You know, Saffron, I don't like, and I just don't like her. <laughs> uh, I, I, I hate mean, I her like episodes. Her. It, the thing is, you know, she is, she is too competent in the way, in a way that like, you know, to have somebody like that in this show where every, you know, you nailed it earlier where everybody has sort of their own strengths you know, and, and okay, you have River who, if we just were exposed to her as the genius child that that Simon explained us to, she would be unbearable as a character. But she's broken, and so it's okay. You right. know? And, or if they just introduced her as the crazy warrior we basically have by the end of Serenity, we'd probably also be like, ah. But because we see her journey from, like, so completely broken to, like, figuring out who she was, like, broken to be – you know, and even in that context, she's still broken. There are still times oh, where yeah. she just can't fend off feelings and stuff. But Saffron's not like that. Like, she's good at everything. She's good at fighting. She's good at acting. Like she's she's like super sly. It's just it's too much. It's way too much. I mean, the fact that she can go to toe to toe with pretty much anybody on the ship at the thing they're best at, it's too much. Um, yeah, and, and she's aggravating. like eighteen or not. I don't know how old she's supposed to be because she's had like five husbands. Who knows? Uh, but it's just like. None of it makes sense to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also, it, it gets a little weird to me because, you know, some of the people are clearly poking fun at Mal because they know he doesn't like the situation he's in. But Book it takes the whole thing really seriously. It's like, hey, if you take advantage of her, you're going to burn and it's a very special level of hell, which is really a funny line. But at the same time, it's like, he should know that there's that Mal does not want this at all. Like, this is not a, not a thing. He should be helping Mal keep her away from him because that's what Mal wants. Right. Um, rather than – and it's it just – it gets a little weird because he gets overly preachy on that element. It was like, I'm pretty sure everybody else knows what Mal is thinking. I don't know. Um, It's not a convincing episode to me. I I don't like it a whole lot. Um, And it doesn't really do much for the characters of the ship. Basically all it really does. All it does is set up Saffron who I can only imagine they had intended her to be a reoccurring foil that would appear right. every so often in every season. Oh, oh, um, it does have one significant scene between Inara and Mal, where Mal is unconscious because Saffron kisses him and knocks him out. <laughs> and then Inara manages to avoid getting seduced by, by Saffron, although she recognizes that like she's got training, gets to Mal, and then because Saffron had told 
Anara that Mal was dead, and Anara kisses Mal and then passes out and like is trying to deny it while she's clearly drugged and everybody else can tell what's happened. Um, yeah. Uh, so that that one scene is kind of the saving grace of this episode, I feel like, um, or that that one interaction, because it just helps build the tension between Anara and Mal, which I really love throughout the series. On the other hand, we have the next episode. Uh, Janestown, which is my second favorite episode. <laughs> Who doesn't love Janestown? So uh, and there's actually some things I like about this before we get to the core of it. Um one of the biggest things is early on – no, it's not – dang it. I keep forgetting which uh, – Janestown is the one where sh- uh, where Inara actually goes and does the – like finally shows us the companioning isn't just sex, you know, like um, – or at least in terms of the show because she helps uh, the son of the magistrate kind of like grow a backbone. Yes. Um, so that's that's significant. Uh, it, it is really kind of a big deal. It's like, okay, we've heard from other people's impressions that there's something to companions other than sex. But then we've also heard, like, heard Mal. And so now we finally see there They're is They're basically like sexy psychiatrists. Basically, yeah. And some people use them for just sex, and some people they'll actually sit there and build a relationship of some kind with. Um, but yeah, um... Go ahead and lead us into what's awesome about Janestown. So Janestown, they get to this uh, basically a planet where they make mud and bricks, kind of all old school Egyptian pyramid style, which is referenced in this episode. Uh, But the scenes do remind me of uh, the mud making and uh, the Ten Commandments, Uh, (laughs) which I think it's supposed to call back to, hence all the uh, references to ancient Egypt. There are a Um, lot of biblical references in the entire uh, in the show too, like yeah. biblical ancient ones. They talk about earth that was a lot, which I love. So basically you have these people who have really crappy jobs making bricks and other mud based products. Uh, and so, you know, it's like the worst job. Uh, and uh, then you have like the magistrate who lives like up high on a hill uh, and they get there and I can't even remember what the actual job they were supposed to be doing is. Um, but uh, they're trying to make some sort of deal and they need to lay low. But uh, then they discover that Jane is basically a folk hero in this town uh, because last time he was there, which we know he was there before from the beginning of the episode because he's trying to hide what he looks like. because He thinks he's going to be a wanted criminal there. Uh, he stole a bunch of money. And in order to safely get off the planet, he had to like eject like seats, his co-pilot and the money. Uh, so he basically rained money on all these poor mutters is what they're called. Um, and so to them, they think of Jane like Robin Hood, like he is their own personal Robin Hood who robbed from the rich and gave to the poor. There's literally a statue in the middle of the town. There's a whole song, which is such, I have to say, a well-written song. It is so good. (laughs) Now, granted, they've had years to do it. So, yeah. Yeah, but I'm just like, you know, usually when you hear like songs and TV shows that are written for the show, they're not that good. But that's not true of Firefly or any Joss Whedon show. Um, the the Man Called Jane song is just so great. You have to go listen to it right now. Um, and uh, I, Jane is both, uh, you know... Well, he's really lifted up at first by this. He wants to take advantage of it, you know, and he's like sleeping with ladies and you know it. But then he's like, I'm not the hero these people want me to be. Uh, and it's just kind of like a a, a kind of crisis of uh, thought moment for him. Uh, that's just really uh, interesting. And that, it's yeah. just a really great 
well, episode. And by the end, you know, he's basically confessing that he didn't do what he did because there's a his old partner was actually kept on on planet and was let loose in order to kill Jane and he nearly does and then a a kid from the town throws himself in the way and dies mm-hmm. for him and Jane is just completely shaken by this and um and it really the core of the episode it comes down to the end it's that feeling that he has Jane is kind of I don't know what the word is brooding about it uh and he's he's just he's he's like Talking to Mal, he's like, I don't get it. Like, why would they do this? This is dumb. They probably even put the statue back up by now. Uh, and Mal tells him, and it's, he says that uh, everybody who's probably, go ahead. Uh, oh, go I ahead. Say, so he, was, he tells him that he, it's in, in his assessment that probably everybody who ever got a statue about him was, uh, he cusses, but he essentially has some major flaw in one way or the other. And then the quote that you were about to say. So go ahead. It isn't about you, Jane. It's about what they need. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's just such a good line. Um, and Jane doesn't feel, you know, Jane still feels terrible. And he just says it doesn't make sense. I just so. really love how that the episode closes on them standing there um, in that spot, you know, overlooking the cargo bay where people stand a lot. Um, yeah. And uh, as it closes out, they're playing a really slow, almost sad acoustic version of the hero Canton. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this was the episode that was like, oh, they intend to redeem Jane. He's not just going to be a mercenary. Right. Right. Uh, but of course, this episode still happens before the episode of Jane's betrayal. Right. Um, so the seeds of the fact that we're supposed to forgive him are planted before he does the horrible thing, which I appreciate because sometimes show will have the character do a horrible thing and then just assume we're supposed to forgive them. And we're like, uh, what? I don't want to forgive this person. Whereas uh, Janestown lays the groundwork that even though Jane is going to do something horrible, he, he, underneath all of that rough yeah. exterior, there's something there that's learning, right? Like in this episode, he clearly doesn't understand or get it, right? Yep. But he's learning. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, the his character. Yep. So uh, next up, we go into Out of Gas, which is... Backstory Central. It's Backstory Central. It basically <laughs> is the origin of everyone in the on the ship who wasn't introduced after the beginning of the uh, the show. So everybody who was already on the ship at the start. Um, and the ship itself. Because really, when it comes down to it, Serenity is another character. Uh, the ship is... I mean, I think Joss Whedon has been on record as saying so. Because it's just quite, uh, you know, Serenity lives and breathes uh, and has a soul essentially for that. It's just such a big part of the show. Um, But in this, yeah, I mean, this is the episode for any, for people who don't remember by titles where uh, an important part of the ship explodes and Mal is, uh, he sends everybody in the crew out of the ship in order so that they might survive where he won't tries to fix it himself. He, they send out a beacon and so on. You get them, get them all getting heated up. This is one of the scenes where you see him kind of in the moment making all like good calls. What's best for everybody, like as best he can. Uh, He fights with wash about things. And you think that Mal, there's a scene where they're talking about boosting the signal for their health, their, for their distress beacon that because they're intentionally flying out, you know, out of range of everybody. Um, And wash is, they're arguing back and forth. And you would think that Mal is just arguing because he, as leaders often do, he's arguing because he wants to yell at somebody. And so he's yelling at wash and that's what wash seems to think is going on. 
But Mal sits there and actually like yells ideas and Wash is fighting back. And then he realizes, wait a minute, that might actually work. And he's like, okay, (laughs) so go do it. (laughs) You know, And, and it's kind of a, when he's stuck in the moment, Mal is always thinking two steps ahead. He's always trying to figure out how can we keep moving forward. Um, even if he won't explain it to people. Uh, and it's just, it's really great to see that. Um, it's great to see, you know, in it, I, I don't want to spend too long cause we've been talking for a long time and we're not very, we're not, you know, we're basically what halfway through. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but it, it really gets like this crew feels like a crew Jane aside, you know, they all care for each other. They all care for Mal. He sends them on this, you know, on their ships to go away in hopes that they can find, uh, can get rescued. And he actually managed to manages to get the replacement part. Somebody finds the beacon comes in. Uh, he tells his story. They, they bring apart, show him apart. And then they shoot Mal intending to kill him and take the ship. Mal gets the jump on him and, and sends him back. And one of the lines, it's a, a really important line. Um, it says that basically, um, what was the guy that the guy the that Mal lets go? Um, he essentially says you would have done the same, and Mal is like, well, clearly I wouldn't have because he's had the gun trained on him the whole time, you know, mm-hmm. or or you can see I didn't. I think is probably the actual phrasing he does, and so that's that's all the sort of present day stuff. Uh, he does that. He gets the part, and over the course of the entire episode, what we've actually been seeing. Bef- not in flashbacks is him slowly taking his injured self to the engine room in order to repair the ship. <laughs> then he tries to go to the comms and gets it fit. And, uh, and he never actually manages to get to the point where he can send out the beacon and he passes out and then he wakes up and everybody came back anyways, like because they're loyal. But, um, other than that, we have the origins. So of course there's the hilarious part where, uh, Kaylee, her origin is that Mal thought uh, had what he thought was a genius mechanic and Kaylee started having like was having sex with that guy in the engine room just because she wanted to be on a ship like this and check it out uh, and is just really good with machines. Um, Instantly and shows up the other guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just I also insta- love Wash's mustache. Oh yeah. And, uh, and Zoe, when she first sees him, she's like, I, I don't like him. And he's like, well, what do you like about him? He's like, I don't know. There's something about him. Uh, <laughs> I think it's supposed to allude to the fact that it's the mustache she doesn't like, mm. but, uh, and it's just hysterical. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's good. Who, um, of course, like, you know, like we said, the ship. So very, very, um, in the first flashback, a salesman, you hear what is clearly a car salesman, you know, is like, you buy the ship, treat her proper. She'll be with you for the rest of your life. I have that written down. And then the whole episode proceeds. And at the very, very end of the episode, it picks up right, right back there in an old shipyard. And it says, uh, and the salesman is saying like, yes, sir. Right. Smart purchase this vessel. Tell you what you buy this ship, treat her proper. She'll be with you for the rest of your, be with you the rest of your life. And then it becomes apparent that he's talking about a different ship and Mal is not paying attention to him because he sees Serenity and he's just looking at her. And it's just, it's really cool because at the beginning you're expecting that that's what this is about. Uh, Cause he even, you know, he, he says it at some point, like, you know, he says it to, to Zoe, I think that, you know, 
this is a ship that'll be with us for the rest of her life. And then she says it's because it's a flying death trap. And it turns <laughs> yes, out that, that I really like that. And it turns out that the line that he said that he used was not even in reference to Serenity to begin with. So it's really great. I love it. So, um, oh, and Jane's origin too. Uh, we kind of get that cutthroat vibe, which again is setting us up for the next episode from Jane, um, where it's how Mal hired Jane away. Like Jane and his group got the jump on Mal and Zoe and Mal talks Jane into shooting his partners for a larger cut and joins them. So yeah, it's the intros of these characters are great. All the characters are great. I'm just going to say that over and over again, that all the characters are great. So, um, because I feel it really strongly. Um, you have any, any additional things I didn't touch on from this episode? Nope. Cool. Uh, so then Ariel, this is yours. Go for it. (laughs) <laughs> yes, so this is the first episode of Serenity I ever watched, or Firefly, excuse me, as I previously previously stated. It's probably still my favorite episode. Um, and uh, basically, they have to go to an inner planet, Ariel, uh, because uh, um, Anara has to get her yearly, I think it is. Uh, yeah, yearly. Uh, a companion medical checkout that's like two days long. Um, so Anara is not really in this episode. Um and while they're there, everyone's plan is just to lay low because, uh, you know, Simon and River are fugitives from the government and uh, the rest of them don't really fit in on a central fancy planet like Ariel. Uh, but Simon has really been losing control of River. Um, not that he was ever in control of her, but he, he doesn't know how to help her. Um, and she's been doing crazier and crazier things throughout the episodes. Like, you know, sometimes it's benign, like tearing labels off of cans. And then sometimes it's, you know, slashing Jane across the chest with a knife. Um, so uh, he wants to take her in to the hospital and get her brain scanned. Uh, to do that, he sets up this whole idea of a job because Simon is a doctor from a central planet. Um, maybe even from Ariel. I'm not entirely sure. I don't, uh, I don't think from Ariel. I think from a central planet, but I don't recall. Uh, but um, he basically knows what these hospitals are like and how they work. And uh, he knows that the, the medicine the hospitals have is worth quite a bit of money. So he uh, basically plans this, this job where uh, the rest of the crew will go in as like EMTs. Uh, River and Simon will be snuck in as their dead bodies. And uh, while Simon's off getting River's brain scanned, Zoe and Mal will uh, steal all of the medicine. Well, of course, and, there's some... Uh, and specifically, like, he teaches them what the valuable medicine is, like the stuff that's yes. really valuable for its volume. Um, and there's some really hilarious scenes where Simon is trying to teach them what to say if they get questioned about their dead bodies. Uh, and they have a really hard time getting it, which uh, I wonder how many of those are actually just like outtakes, uh, right. which uh, is really great. Um, and then, of course, when they actually get there, uh, the doctor doesn't actually care. As soon as they say they were, uh, you know, DOAs. basically DOA, the doctor's like, OK, whatever, take him to the morgue. And uh, Jane just really wanted to say his line. So he says it anyway. And everyone just like looks at him like, yeah, what? Uh, um, I, I, one of the things I really like about this episode is it's the, since the train job, we haven't seen a heist really. And so this is the second heist we see and it is so well done, uh, yes. in terms of the way that it's constructed and, and so on and how the team splits up and does their, each of them does their job. So 
I also really like, you know, there's a scene where Simon is, uh, you know, heading, they're trying to get to the brain scanning area and he comes across a doctor whose patient uh, flatlines. And, you know, we've been told Simon is a good doctor, but this is the first time we really see it. Like he's patched up the people on the crew and even people on the crew in precarious situations, like they got shot. But you're kind of like, well, that's what any surgeon would do, it's right? Medic, like, you know, yeah. Uh, but, um, this is a situation where the, he obviously knew more than the other doctor and he like totally dresses down this other doctor and it's really great. Um, and he, and he anyway, dresses down he, this doctor, not for the sake of embarrassing him, but because this doctor nearly killed his patient, you know, right. he's like, your patient should be dead, you know? And, and it's kind of like, he's not, it's not that he's overly proud about his ability. He is mad at this doctor for nearly killing this patient. You know, because yep. he values life and he values being able to do what he can do. Like he wanted to be a doctor to help people because he's a good person. Um, yeah. And uh, basically what we know that no one else in the episode knows except Jane is that Jane is planning to betray Simon and River. So when Simon is getting River's brain scanned, uh, Jane basically tells them the plan has been changed. Uh, and uh Basically, the feds show up to arrest them all, and Jane thinks he's going to get a big award, but of course, the feds betray him, obviously. Uh, Jane's right. not the brightest tool in the shed. I mean, that's very clear, right? right. Um, so, uh, uh, Simon and River don't realize it was Jane, uh, or at least Simon doesn't, and River doesn't say anything. We don't know if River knows at this point. Um, and... Uh, then uh, to escape, they have to escape these men with hands of blue and all this other stuff. Uh, they, uh, I, I, Jane kind of rescues them. And so Simon, by the end of the episode, thinks of Jane as like a hero. But Mal realizes what really happened. And at the end, there's just this really like, you know, Mal almost shoots Jane out the airlock. But then Jane, uh, basically the thing that saves him, the reason why Mal doesn't just kill him is because he says... Um, don't tell the others what I did, make something up. And, uh, you know, that's kind of the first time that Mal gets a hint that Jane actually cares what the rest of the crew feels about him yep. and re realizing maybe he's wrong and that maybe his character can change. Uh, so Jane doesn't, uh, doesn't die here and he gets to continue as part of the crew. And, you know, there are a lot of things I liked about this episode when I first watched it. And I think the reason why it appealed to me is because it's very sci-fi as opposed to a lot of the other episodes, which are very Western. Um, and, uh, you know, we get all of the character beats that are basically what would have been the setup for the rest of the show, right? We get yeah. Jane's betrayal slash, you know, working towards redemption. We get the fact that River has had her amygdala stripped um, and her brain toyed with. Uh, we get that Simon's a great doctor who really cares for his sister. We get heists and shenanigans. Um, and, uh, yeah, the only person we don't have in this episode, like I said, really is Anara. Um, yeah, I, I mean, and so we go from there into War Stories, which uh, goes back to... Uh, so it's an episode that centers on really building Mal's character, um, who he is. Uh, people continue to accuse him of fighting a war that's been over, and he continues to deny it, and frankly, he's wrong. Um, <laughs> but Because uh, he... he he is continuing to fight the war, whether he realizes it or not. And everybody else is right about him in that respect. Um, but it really also, so it's, it's the first major like actual fight between Wash and Zoe. They come out of it fine. 
Wash gets a better understanding of who Mal is and why, like, why he inspires the loyalty that he does in Zoe. Because and and it's it's one of those great things where it's like they have a fight over him uh, over Zoe listening to Mal too often, or you know, in ways that he doesn't or that she doesn't listen to him. But that's not really like she doesn't need to be subservient to you know, to wash and she's not subservient to Mel. Um, but in the end, like it, it comes down to, it's just, you know, wash comes out of this with basically the same loyalty that Zoe now has. Like, and it's just one instance, this whole being stuck in the foxhole and he kept you alive because he's nuts and he will continue to fight. Um, it also is my favorite, what I call the alien cigarette test. Um, have you ever seen the movie alien? Yes. Okay. I so can't believe you just asked me that, I know, Michael. I know. I'm, I'm just, so <laughs> anybody who's seen it any time in the last decade knows how, like, a thing that really stands out is how much smoking there is in that movie, because this is the future, you know, and there's just, the people who made it just assume there would be a bunch of smoking, and to me, it's hysterical. Like, it's, you know, uh, some of this stuff feels science, like it's sci-fi and so on, and uh, it is... It's hysterical to me how uh, how that doesn't pass. And so, at the beginning of War Stories, Inara goes to a patron or brings a patron on ship, and it's a woman, and everyone just like is dumbfounded. Mm-hmm. Which in two thousand two that makes sense, but I feel like now people would be like, "Oh, okay." It's a I woman. mean, I feel like, like yeah. <laughs> if you're a companion, you're being paid for sex among other things. Like she doesn't like isn't physically attractive to all the men she's with but you know also maybe anara is bisexual like to me now well, this and, is and like not weird and, it, and it's really funny because they even say it um kaylee says it in the moment it's like i mean i i knew that she sometimes you know served women but but and it's like clearly she hadn't processed it whereas of course you know cl- it's one of the few things that really strikes home that and the quality of the cg uh, oh, the, the quality things. of the cg gets me every time <laughs> are, are there the few like Basically, the only things that stand out to me as showing where this show uh, really is in time or like where it was made. Um, And it's just really funny to me. And the thing is, like, this is the only it stands out to me because I couldn't think of the entire rest of the time I was watching it. There was nothing else that stuck out to me, like no other content, the ways they talked about people and things. Nothing else stuck out, out to me as, oh, in the last 14 years, society like society has changed such that the way that person said that seems dated, you know? Uh, so I just thought that was interesting and, um, to me just as a side note, but, um, so, uh, we can go to that though, because war stories is easily condensable into being about Mal's character, really, um, trash, you know, yeah, yeah, it's Saffron's next episode. (laughs) I don't care. What actually significant happens in it? Forget her because you know what? I'm sorry, everybody. We just don't like her and we don't (laughs) want to spend much time talking about her, but, um, what else? Does anything significant happen in this episode other than Mal in the desert naked? I don't. I think it's maybe the first time that uh, Inara gets included on a job. Is that? But she she rescued them in the train job. So while That's she true. wasn't purposefully part of the job, she ended up part of the job. So I feel like it's the first time maybe she gets planned as part of the job. That mm, we're aware it's of. It's probably true. But it's not that significant. So... Not that important. Um, I think I agree with you in that if she, like Saffron was probably set up to be a more recurring character 
And if this had gone on two seasons, this would have been significant, but you know, it didn't. Um, then we get to my least favorite episode of the whole show, the message, which this I think is you your could just, least favorite it, it, episode by a lot. Um, and it's wow. not because I don't think there are any significant beats in it. It's because nothing like nothing new is said. I'll give you no, that. Nothing new is said. And I actually feel like all of the points that this guy, like we already know Mal will do right by everybody in a situation. He's not going to sell people out. We already know like that he and Zoe, like we've already had the foxhole situations. We had some of the flashbacks we had. Uh, I think that the entire episode of war stories did this, but better where it, having Wash and Mal connect in essentially like a modern area that simulates the stress that he and that, that Mal and Zoe go through in the past serves way more than having the flashbacks to the actual war. Hey, but this episode has one thing. No other episode has the Jane hat. That's true. The Jane hat is important. Um, see now I'm torn now still my least favorite now keep in mind though this is my favorite show ever which I guess I haven't said um it's my favorite live action show for sure ever probably my favorite show ever so when I say my least favorite it's like when I say that the fifth Harry Potter book is my least favorite Harry Potter it's like the least or favorite Iron in a Man's bunch of my least favorite Avenger yeah. yeah 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 I mean I still love all of it so so it's not a I'm not saying I dislike it just that if you gave me time to watch 13 episodes, not 14, the message is the one I would skip. <laughs> um, See, I would say trash is the one I would skip. <laughs> but, you know. I think I, I like Saffron, Saffron getting... Oh, so I don't like her, but I like her getting made a fool of herself. Like, mm. so so, so I, I, I like it just for that part of it. But anyways, um, so yeah, I, I guess you probably have a lot more positive to say about the message than I do. So I, I, I guess my things about the message is we learn one, Jane has a mother who sends him care packages, including horrendously ugly knit hats uh, <laughs> that uh, Jane, a man with no shame, wears. Uh, but then again, I'm not sure he actually re- realizes it's horrendously ugly because he's Jane and he's a little dense. Um, but it's really cute because he wears that hat throughout the entire episode. Uh, and... Uh, you know, I kind of liked to see a former that while Mal and Zoe are good people coming out of the war, not everyone is. Yeah. Uh, and their friends know that they're good people and are willing to take advantage of them. Uh, but, you know, Mal and Zoe were not originally, you know, willing to believe that this person could be bad because they were from the trenches with them, you know? And so kind of showing that while uh, Zoe and Mal were uh, came out of the war. Okay. Not everyone did. So, so I think that was interesting. And uh, then of course there's the uh, overdramatic quote that everyone always, you know, has from this episode. That's the, uh, uh, you know, if you can't, you can't walk and then you crawl. And if you can't do that, you know, yeah. get someone to carry you. Um, uh, so, yeah. That line is actually a big, you know, it is important. Um, it, it, it means a lot. But. Uh, the next episode, Heart of Gold, uh, this one's kind of important because it even furthers uh, Mal and Inara's uh, relationship because Mal sleeps with a... Uh, former prostitute a former companion who's running her own brothel out in the middle of nowhere um 
and uh, he didn't realize that Anara cared, and he only now realizes Anara cared because uh, that prostitute uh, tells him, "Oh, you didn't tell me you and Anara had like a thing." Um, So uh, that's really the only thing that uh, happened in this episode. So I always think it's funny when Kaylee says uh, they even have uh, boys for 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 girls. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think the big thing to uh, so it does that. And then it also sets Mal up as someone who will do this kind of thing. He will defend people who he feels the law is oppressing, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's that's and, it. It's, and the it's whole really, point is to save this woman's baby, right? Yeah. It's to save this one woman's baby. And uh and in the end, the woman who has the baby kills, uh, you know, kills the guy who is uh, the baby daddy, the baby daddy, the evil baby daddy, um, <laughs> evil baby daddy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we get to objects in space, um, which, which is the last episode. And I also think it was the last episode aired. Uh, no. Or was the pilot the, the last pilot, episode? Aired? The, yeah. the pilot named because <laughs> that makes a lot of sense name of the movie. Serenity. Uh, uh, it was the last one to be aired. Yes. So uh, objects in space. Jubal early. Uh, he is the weirdest, creepiest weirdo creep who ever weirdly creeped. No, uh, so I feel like there's so much they took from him for the. Uh, um, I'm blanking. The bad guy in Serenity, the movie. Yeah, he for the um, the operative. The operative. I, I feel like they they took a, a couple of his. Uh, attributes for the operative which which they did yeah. um and as, again if you're watching them in a row too they happen back to back which is uh, a little jarring um but also uh he reminds me of river to some too um because mm. he's just like he'll sit there he'll be talking about one thing then he's suddenly distracted talking about something else says something that creeps you out says something that's completely unrelated and then comes back to what he was talking about and you're trying to follow his train of thought so like whereas, threatens kaylee and you want to kill him yeah yeah so He's he's all over the place. Um, the interesting thing is, of course, that they're all talking about, and this sets us up for the movie, is they're talking about getting rid of River um, because she's scary, because in uh, uh, we find out, so she, in this, she's having a, like, she kind of has a breakdown and holds a gun at one point and is freaking everybody out and she doesn't even realize she's holding a gun. And then they find out later, Kaylee tells them, and I guess we, we skip this at the end of, uh, war stories when they're breaking. Uh, oh yeah. When they're Malin breaking into Miska's. Um, there's a point where Kaylee is the only one left. She's with a gun and three people are attacking her and she drops her gun. And we, you know, we see river blindly fire and shoot at three people in very different locations and one shot kill each of them. And so clearly she has some kind of weapon capabilities now too. And, uh, and so she tells that story and everybody's suddenly frightened for their lives for good reason. Um, and you know, that's kind of the main point of the setup. It, it sets us up where she's actually really smart. She asks, uh, she asks Mal to trust her and he does is the big thing is like, she directs everybody and they listen and because they listen, they get out of the mm-hmm. situation. Um, and she gets out too. And, um, and it's only because Mal works with her. I mean, he could have gone along with her plan and then just not done the, the knocking Jubal out part when he, uh, when he leaves the ship and he would have been able to just take river with him and go. But Mal is like, no, I'm going to go out and I'm going to 
follow through and he knocks him out and sends him to die in space by himself in his space suit, space suit. Um, and this thing is like, everybody gets really creeped out. Uh, and river is kind of amazing, but she also can mess with people because she goes and she tells them that she's like an incorporeal, uh, incorporeal part of the ship. And turns out she no, is she's just, the ship. <laughs> she is the ship. And turns out she's just messing with people and knowing she's messing with people. So she like plays games while also having abilities. And it's really funny um, at times, and it's really creepy at times. But uh, uh, it really does, though, it's clearly not an ending to a show, and it jumps right into the movie, um, which I have all kinds of problems with, but also love. Um, I do love the movie. I mean, I saw it basically before I watched the entire series. I love the opening scene that's all one long shot, right? That's so yeah, great. The, the uh, I think it's it's actually this it's the second scene the the long shot in Serenity yeah which which part of that is actually to show us that they rebuilt Serenity because they couldn't use the initial the uh, original set so they had to rebuild it from scratch and so they're I guess pretty proud of that um, and it's awesome because it just shows you the entirety of Serenity in a go um, mm-hmm. which is great but the the opening scene is actually probably my single biggest thing with the movie which is when they show Simon breaking River out of her, um, you know, her oh, yeah. and that literally that scene basically directly tosses, contradicts, not doesn't just directly contradicts, but it, it tosses out like half the series because so much of the series wouldn't have happened if Simon already had known as much as he knew going into that scene, you know, in that scene, if he already knew it, in that scene, it sets him up to already know that she's psychic, uh, mm-hmm. already know that she's being set up to be a weapon already know that there's a trigger like that he already has a trigger word because that's when he learns it in the context of the movie. And none of that makes any sense. Like, it, you know, so much of the series would not he have also happened. would he have, have already known she, they were playing with her brain and yeah. like, so yeah, that is, so to me, uh, there's a, a, it bolsters the movie as a movie going experience at huge expense of the series. And I feel like it's a huge net negative. Um, that one scene is like a huge net negative to me. Like, I, I really think they could have done something better to get people on board. But the problem is like, you have to get people who've never seen the show on board for this movie. And this was an exciting way to do it. It's a fun scene if I take it out of context of the show, but man, it hurts me. Uh, like every time I see it, cause it's like, no, no, like so much of so many of the interactions don't make any sense anymore. Um, but beyond that, like once I've accepted that, uh, I really like the, the movie a lot. Um, there's the like the really heavy use of music compared to the show. Like the show uses music really well, but the movie uses it basically constantly. Because um, it can. It's a movie. It can. Exactly. Uh, there are also little things, little quirks with the characters who when you're watching the movie, if you watch it spaced from the show, you're like, oh, okay, that's that's fine. It's the same character. But if you watch it right after the show, you're like, wait a minute. Things feel a little weird. Um Little ways that they speak. I, I mean, they talk more likely they're in, like they're in a movie. Like it's a little bit more polished and a little bit more uh, more rounded. It's it's a really interesting kind of thing. And part of it is just they recorded it years later, right? The movie, yeah. Came out you know, and, some of it is like we said, right? They jump started Jane's you know story arc to be part absolutely. of the crew. Like Jane, at by the end of the show, I'm not convinced he would have been willing to go with a death run against Reavers. You know, like I just. Uh, um, don't I don't know if he's there. I do. And I totally agree. I do think though, they did a decent enough job of not making that. a. They tried to make it so it wasn't purely loyalty. 
Um, because part of it is like they see all this stuff happen. They're backed into a corner and Jane basically there's a line that he says that I didn't write down and I'm frustrated with myself for. Uh, but he essentially says something along the lines of um, uh, so book dies earlier in the episode and we barely see any of him. But when they're kind of when they're setting up, deciding what to do, uh, Jane says that, like, sometimes if you can't do uh, if you can't can't do something you smart, do- then you can do something right, I think is what he says. Yeah, something yeah. like that. And that's, you know, I get that is like a, he just, he's now witnessed like he did like book and he witnessed book die and he got and they've seen what's actually happened. Right. Like now they know the story of what's happened. And at that point, he's you can see a little bit of the Jamestown in him is like, uh, this is this is crazy. Um, plus, he's sort of stuck with them, too. <laughs> um, he, he's kind of backed into a corner where it's like there's not a lot he can do. They have shuttles. He could have left one. That's true. Left on one. You know, him and Anara could have ride it off into the sunset. Yeah. And and again, <laughs> like I all this to say, I totally agree with you. It's not really a natural place for him to be yet, but I think they did what they could with it. Um uh we're also introduced to Mr. Universe, which is cool and clearly a character we would have been introduced to at some point. In the show. Except it's, it's always weird to me because he's Bernard from the Santa Claus. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> wow, I've never connected that before. Uh, yeah, yep. I, I, every time, I'm just like, it's Bernard. <laughs> uh, there are little things, too, like uh, the the rush to get River off the ship at the beginning of the episode, especially when yeah. you watch it right after Doesn't make Objects any sense. Space, yeah. Doesn't make a lot of sense, and uh, and... Simon is much colder in this than he has been in in the series too, like early on. Well, I, I feel like they felt this need to kind of reset different uh, character arcs that had already happened, so they could introduce the moviegoers to them, so they could experience that character arc. Like, Absolutely. you know, like we couldn't start off with soft Simon, the Simon who goes on a date with Kaylee. You know, like we had to start out with cold Simon, like we started out way back in episode one. You know, yeah. Uh, so all that to be said, I mean. I love, I do love the movie. I love that we got an ending to the show. I would have much we rather got a conclusion to some story arcs. <laughs> yeah. I, I would much rather we have lost the show and gotten another eight episodes or excuse me, lost the movie and got this storyline in another eight episodes with them knowing they were the last eight episodes, you know, yeah. because if they had just gotten to deliver this storyline in those episodes, I feel like everything would have just been that much cleaner, that much felt that much more connected to the show. Um, maybe the episode, the, like the fight between the Reaver arm, uh, like Armada and the, uh, and the actual, what's it called? The, the Alliance Armada would not have been quite as cool a scene. Probably wouldn't have. The budgets. graphics were not very good. <laughs> but in uh, the, the series, in the show, yeah, yeah. I, you have like three years of CG plus a huge uh, a huge budget mm-hmm. comparatively that pile on for this. But um, but all said, like I think the operative was really uh, like a, a neat character. Um, I liked him a lot. Uh, That's the first time I ever saw that actor in anything, and now he's in everything. <laughs> yeah, um, I like that he's a person who very much. You know, we talked about this when we talked about. Uh, civil war but we we talked about the fact that like good soldiers it's been shown and certainly in stories but even in real life like good soldiers should know what they're fighting for rather than doing following orders blindly and Mm -hmm. um 
And the operative is very much a, I believe in this cause and I'm doing what is right. So he doesn't ever ask questions and he doesn't think about the fact that his cause could be wrong. And I like the fact that Mal essentially shatters his world and the guy's like, well, no, you're, you you know, now that I know this, you're, you're right. Uh, and he's like, I'm not their man anymore. I mean, I like that story arc for him uh, rather than him being an obstinate person who, who wants, when faced with the truth, he does, he follows anyways. Um, I like that they gave him that much independence and that he's now able to kind of question his entire life on that front. Um, but I'm sure you have a lot to say on this too. <laughs> I do. Uh, sorry, I'm like super distracted. My house smells like food. Um, <laughs> but uh, I really enjoy the movie. Obviously, it was the second thing I ever saw. And based on the one episode I'd seen, it wasn't necessarily too disjointed. Uh, I thought it was interesting that the one storyline they chose to close up was the Reaver storyline. Because after watching the show, the Reavers weren't the thing I really wanted to know more about. You know, like I was like, what an interesting choice of like the one thing uh, you wanted to yeah. close out. Granted, it was the sh- not shiniest and like good thing, but like splashiest thing. It was I like, guess, it was the, the plottiest. Out. Yeah. <laughs> the one was connected yeah. to plot, I guess. Yeah. You know, but like there, there's so many other ways it could have gone, you know, there's like a whole school of children like river. She's not the only one. <laughs> Although so, they do say that she, in the movie, the they most say successful. the most successful and the prized people. Right. So, you know, um, but they could have like sent like three rivers after them or, you know, there, there's a lot of ways it could have gone. There's a lot of openings from uh, the show. And so it was interesting that this was the choice they took. It was interesting to see a very clear like case of uh, the Alliance overstepping their bounds, uh, which with uh, Miranda, the planet, um, they tried the reavers, to, yeah. yeah, they tried to change something there and they created the Reavers, which presumably was even before the war, right? Because the Reavers have been around for a while, I get the feeling of. Um, yeah. Well, so, uh, they say, I think they say it's about, it's been 10 years or so, I think is what they say. Um, since the, and the, but the war was six years ago. Right. So a little bit before the war. Right. Uh, so, you know, this is the kind of thing that Mal and Zoe have been fighting against, right? Not, not that they knew that the, the Alliance were actually actively trying to change people, but the Alliance was definitely, uh, you know, interfering in the way of life that they were used to and the people in the outer um, areas, you know, which kind of goes back to the Civil War metaphor, right, of, you know, individual planets' rights to do something and not be part of a federal government uh, uh, but, uh, you know, unlike the union, uh, the Alliance was actually trying to like brainwash their civilization into being, you know, not just brainwash, but chemically alter them. <laughs> uh, so, and that's what he, he goes like when Mal makes such a big deal of it, he's like, no, if we don't tell people about this, like they're going to keep thinking they can make people better. And, right. you know, they're going to do this again and we need to show people because otherwise they're going to do this again. Right. And that's when he, uh, when he goes and he fights the operative, you know, at the end, the operative is like, are you like, do you really believe that everybody needs to see what you have? And Mal said, yes, is like, are you willing to die for it? And then he's like, yeah, but that's not the plan. Um, and that's the, it just is like, I, Mal, that's the thing he doesn't like about the Alliance is that they feel like they need to make people better and they will do right. whatever, 
you know, whatever they can to do so. Um, it's the in in River's dream, right? She has a dream, and her teacher, the the dream teacher, uh, she, River's basically saying why people wouldn't unify, why people would fight unification, and she says because we're we're meddling, we're telling people what to think, and then um, and the the dream teacher says like, no, we're teaching them how, and it's like that is basically the way that the Alliance thinks is these people don't know how to think or be without us telling them how. Um, and that's just false. Um, but yeah, I, I guess in the end, my favorite show, a movie that gives me a satisfactory end and, uh, even if I, they kill wash. Yeah. And, and in the end, it's just kind of the show really, I feel like the core idea is the connections between the characters. It's the relationships between them and the love between them. And with serenity itself with the ship, you know, like they, they all love the ship. They all love each other and they will stick together. Um, and I feel like that's what we would have gotten even from a longer show. And, and I do love that at the end, you know, wash has died, but, uh, you know, the river kind of finds her place on the ship, you know, at, in the cockpit with, a. Uh, uh, Mal, even if she's not actually flying anything. Yeah. Um, well, except that she has the ability to because she's amazing and is going gonna, gonna to be a really fast learner. So she'll probably become the de facto pilot after a bit. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and the very, very, very final shot is the ship going off and it's been repaired and then a part of the ship breaks off and stuff. And it's again, like all these characters and the ship included are all broken and they will continue to be broken but that doesn't make them any less awesome. And Agreed. And yeah. I'm sure we could talk about this for an hour more, but, but I have really got to go. <laughs> and we totally need to wrap this up. So, um, <laughs> listeners, hopefully we didn't keep you too long. Uh, let's, uh, I guess, yeah, um, you can tune into future episodes, of course, at TriviallyCrucial.com. Trivially and you can follow Mandy on Twitter at... Uh, Brown underscore Aja, which is A-J-A-H. You can follow me on Twitter at A-U-H-I-M. That's Auhim. And you can follow the podcast account at Triv Crucial. Um, but uh, yeah, go rewatch Firefly and Serenity now and make other people do it too. <laughs> <laughs> Bye.